you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Sunday morning that the Lord has given us. We have spring in sight, folks. The yards are being mowed this week. Wow. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Matthew chapter 18, if you have your Bibles. I want to speak to you this morning on a subject that is dear to my heart. Uh, it's a subject that I, I believe is really a key to why some people maybe either receive their answers to prayer or whether some people's entire lives are locked up and they struggle to be able to move forward. I'm going to talk to you on the subject of forgiveness this morning. I believe it is one of the most important subject matters in the church world today. So many harbor so many feelings against other people, against situations that were out of their control, against the church, against leadership, against God. We've got to forgive those things if we're going to ever see our lives move forward in the way that God wants us to move forward. We've got to learn. We've got to learn to trust God and put it in the hands of God and allow God to deal with every wrong and every hurt and every situation. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. And of course, we know this is not a numerical mandate giving us a specific. What the Lord is really saying is, is, Peter, you need to just let it go. You need to forgive it, and you need to let it go. Lord, help us this morning to speak what you have put on my heart. I pray over this congregation this morning for every person that's hurting beyond the smiles and the nice suit and dress today, 
those who may be hurting in their heart. Their life and their spirit is in constant turmoil because of a hurt, a wrong, a pain. I pray this morning, God, that by the preached word of God and by the work of the Holy Ghost that only you can do today, that you would release them as they release forgiveness into their lives today. I pray, God, that you release the miraculous among your people. Let our prayers that have been held up for generations because of the lack of forgiveness be released today and move in a mighty way, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Turn to a couple of people next to you and just smile at them and tell them, let it go. Let it, let it go. Let it go. There are things in life we all wish we could let go. We all wish we could forget. I'm sure I'm not here all by myself this morning. The truth is, is we consider memory as being a strong suit. As we get older and our memory becomes shorter, we, we kind of call that a, an aging problem. The truth is, is while we may become forgetful on most things, my wife often declares that I have the memory of an elephant. That's what she says. They say elephants never forget. She says, I have a memory of an elephant, particularly on things when I feel like I was done wrong. Of course, I know none of you have that in your home. I can remember in Vivid details, the words, even the pauses, I hear it. It's like, I have a memory that just allows it to play back over in my head. She reminds me of that. It's difficult for us to let it go. We may let it go for a while, but occasionally something hits the internal trigger of remembrance. And for a moment, while we thought we had let it go and we had put it behind us and we had declared forgiveness over it, those unforgettable events from our past have a way of rearing back up in our face getting right in front of us and now we have to deal with it all over again because we really never let it go. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians the third chapter, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to the things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Can I say to you today that in order for us to ever reach the things that we are reaching for, we're going to have to leave some things behind. 
But the question I have today is, was the, was the Apostle Paul, was he empowered by something greater than you and I have? Did he literally have the ability to wipe his internal memory card completely clean? I think not. This is the same apostle that said, the very things that I would do, that I end up not doing. And the things that I declare I would never do, those are the very thing he said I end up doing. Mm. Sounds like we would be in good company with him. I think it makes it clear that the Holy Spirit within him was not different than that which is within us. The Apostle Paul talked about stirring up his pure mind by way of remembrance, which means he didn't have a short memory. That wasn't his thorn. Maybe forgetting isn't being absent-minded at all. Because that's how we want forgiveness and forgetfulness to be. We want it to be absent-minded. We want to somehow be able to hit control, alternate, delete, and it's gone. Forever. But maybe, maybe forgetting is a choice to not continue in the cycling response to things we wish we could get over. Mm, that's a powerful word for somebody today. Maybe, maybe forgiveness truly is just refusing to continue to respond to the negative urge that is within us to act out because of an emotion that is stirred due to something that reminded us of what happened to us in our past. I know this is a sensitive subject this morning. I know it's far too deep for me to be able to really get to the depth of on this Sunday morning, but some of us must understand there are things that happened to, to, to all of us. There are things that have happened to every one of us that were out of our control. There are things that happened to us because of poor choices and bad decisions. There are things that happened to us that are just a product of life. It happens to everybody. Don't get all drama field on me now. There are things that are real hurts, real issues, real problems, real situations that happen that doesn't happen to everybody. But when things that happen to us that happen to everybody, we need to learn it's just life. Not because I'm living right or not living right. It rains on the and the unjust. Not because you're serving God or not serving God. It's just part of life. 
Not everybody is always going to be kind to you. Not everybody is going to love you. Not every situation is always going to go to your favor. You're not going to win every game you play. You're not going to succeed in every venture that you step toward. So we have to learn to deal with the realities of life, but those are not the real things that I want to reach for this morning. But I want to speak to us this morning on the situations of things that happened to us that were completely against our will and out of our control. Or perhaps I need to speak to someone this morning who has made a whole list of poor choices and bad decisions that has ended you up in a world of hurt and pain emotionally, physically, and spiritually. These things are real. And so we want to put it out of our mind. We want to let it go. But the real issue is, is forget, forgiveness is not truly being absent-minded to where we cannot recall what happened to us. But our forgiveness, ladies and gentlemen, may be a choice of refusing to live the returning responses that are not changing anything but causing us to have a real bad day. Because if we continue to do what we have always done and deal with the same things the way we have been dealing with them, we will never get a different outcome. In order to get a different outcome, in order to be able to move forward, there's, there are folks in the room today that without a doubt I am speaking to, and, and you know that you want to move forward in life. You want to move forward in God. You want to move forward in your relationship with your family. You want to move forward on your job. You, wherever it is in your life that you want to move forward, but you are... You, you feel like that you can't move forward because every you, time you start to move forward, there is a roadblock that happened in your past that is preventing you from stepping into your future. And so in order to let it go, I want to talk to you this morning because it is to let it go is, is not forgetfulness, but it is a choice. It's refusing to continue with the negative urge to act out. You can throw a fit. You can let it push you back into depression. Mm, it's tight in here this morning. I like it like this. Because I know I'm ministering to somebody today. We allow it to push us back into depression. We allow it to push us back into addictions that we have been fighting and wondering why we're fighting the same addictions. Can I speak to you and tell you some people are fighting addictions? 
because it's the only escape that you have from your unforgiveness? If you'll forgive the problem and the situation from your past, the addiction will be able to be handled much easier. But we use the addiction as a crutch because, can I get real with you this morning? I don't want to offend or hurt anyone this morning, but I want to tell you that some of us are dragging along with us abuse from our past. Things from childhood, from previous marriages, from our teenage years. Mm. Some of those situations we got ourselves into. And we can't forgive ourselves for making a mess that has hurt us and hurt our ability to move forward. You have got to understand today that there is not one perfect individual in this house. I'm far from close to being the, the, the most perfect in the room. But whoever the most perfect person in the room may be is still not perfect. We all make mistakes. Decisions often are judgment calls. And sometimes we make poor judgment decisions. And some of those hurt us and affect us and even hurt our families. And hurt our finances. And hurt our ability to be able to move forward. We've got to learn to let those things go. Stop owning a problem that you have repented over. Because when you repent over a bad decision that you made, a bad thing that you've done, that means you have made a conscientious decision in your mind. You understand what I did was wrong. What I did was, was, was the wrong decision. What I said was the wrong thing. The way I acted was the wrong response. But I am forgetting that. I am putting that behind me. I am saying I will never go back there again. I'm not repeating my mistake again. I'm not, mm, I'm not repeating what I did that hurt somebody or hurt myself or hurt. I'm not repeating it again. I'm not going back there again. I've repented over it. I've done an about face. I've turned around. I've put it under the blood of Jesus. Now I've got to go forward. And every time I am reminded of what I, am, what, what I have done, I've got to declare Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Oh, I know it preaches good on Sunday when we talk about, oh, we can get all revved up and, and, and get all fired up and preaching about, you know, every time that, that the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. We get excited about it. But this is a very real issue. That's a lot more than a hand clap and an amen. It's a deep response that we have got to decide this morning because the devil throws in your face and in my face decisions and poor choices and wrongdoings of our past and we allow it to cripple us and hinder us from moving into our future. If you have truly repented over it and you have put it under the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus will prevent anything that the devil wants to do in your future from harming you. So when the memory of your bad choice that has hurt you, that has created problems in you, is thrown in your face or just logs into your memory bank, you need to declare the blood of Jesus is against you. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus that walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. I refuse to be bound by my past. I refuse to be hindered into my future because of something that I have repented over and put under the blood of Jesus. But in the name of the Lord, I will move forward by faith. We have to stop letting what happened in our past affect our future. The choice of forgiveness and forget, forgetting and forgiving and letting it go is a lot more, it's probably a lot less about our inability to recall what has happened and a lot more about a conscientious decision of how I'm going to handle what has happened. This isn't a pity party this morning. We've had more than enough problems in our home. More than enough problems in our family. I could start giving you a list this morning of things my family and I have been through. False accusations. Deep hurt. Betrayal. This isn't just in the preacher's home. It's across the board. I'm speaking to everybody this morning. Hurt. Harm. Hindrance. Wrongdoing. You will never be able to truly forgive it until you truly let go of it. As long as you hold on to it and bring it up and want to talk about it and say, well, it's because I... No, there is nothing about my future going to be connected because I'm refusing to let go of something that happened in my past. Mm. Did it happen? Absolutely. Do I remember it? Absolutely. But I refuse to talk about it. I refuse to be hindered by it. Because my enemy and my adversary is not hindered. The only person hindered by what happened in your past is you. So the act of letting it go truly is refusing to let what has happened in my past affect my future. My enemy may have hurt me, but they're not going to continue to hurt me. Because what happened to me in my past is not going to affect my future. You're not going to continue to hurt me. Mm -hmm. Behavioral scientists have discovered that we usually see things that we are prepared to see. And this is all centered in a network of nerve cells called the reticular activating system. Everyone here today, whether you know it or not, has a reticular activating system. It sounds sophisticated, doesn't it? It works like this. Once something has been brought to your attention, your brain and your eye immediately begins to notice and you begin to see it everywhere you go. It's like this. 
Nobody in this town owned a black Dodge pickup until 2011. I bought the first one. And I declare there's no less than 500 of them in this town now. Everybody wanted to be like me. Some days you think, oh, well, I'm the only one that's, that's going to wear this color. Nobody wears this color. You show up to church and eight people have the same color on. This happens in all sorts of areas of our life. We see what we are prepared to see. I throw this out at you often just as a simple little reminder of the humanity that we all live in. The flesh we all live in. But if we show up looking for faults and wrongs in people, guess what you're going to see? That's why a critical spirit will always be right. Because you will find what you are looking for. Unless, of course, it's that thing that you hid away in that one place and you forgot where it was. If we want to see the failure in somebody's life, we are likely to see it. On the other hand, if we are positive and filled with faith, let me explain to you why miracles happen. In an atmosphere of faith, when doubt and unbelief and negativity is cast out and people begin to believe, we then begin to see whatever it is we're believing and trusting God for. It bothers me when I hear or see our young people or adults alike, people to say, I'm so dumb. That was stupid of me. Because what you speak about yourself, you often will see in your life. Because we all have some of those moments that we're not real proud of. We all have some of those moments we question. I mean, some days I actually question that Facebook IQ test that I took that said I was a genius? I actually question that some days. <laughs> some people believe that mess. <laughs> if all I talk about is my pain from my past and my hurt from my past, Guess what I'm dragging along with me? It's like a weight that you can't get beyond. I remember back in 1994. Mm -hmm, I see where this is going. I'm dragging it with me. I'm bringing it with me. One of the things that makes forgetting the past so hard lies deep within the neurological wiring of our brain. A director of the Montreal Neurological Institute said in a report to the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C., your brain con 
contains a permanent record of your past that is like a single continuous strip of film that is moving through your mind's eye. The film library records the whole life experience from some point in our early childhood on. That's why when we get this forgiveness thing wrong, we feel like I'm a failure even at forgiveness because I'm I'm trying to forget it, but I can't forget it. No, you won't forget it. God made you that way. Thank Him for a good memory. When we're 60 or 70, we're going to really be thankful for a good memory. Thank God for a good memory. And then thank Him for the ability to choose how you're going to respond. To that little section in your life that disrupted you and has affected your future. And you've decided I will not allow that to prevent me from moving forward. The only way you'll ever move forward is to somehow choose a response of letting that I know it's going to hang around in my memory. I'm never going to forget the day it happened to me. I'm never going to forget the moment. I'm never going to forget the emotional disaster I was in. I'm never going to forget the financial ruin it caused. I'm never going to be able to truly forget. But I can truly make a decision on how I'm going to handle it. The issue of forgiveness is not forgetfulness. The issue of forgiveness is how will you handle the pain of your past? So your inability to forget is something God designed in you so that you would remember things. What is there good to remember about the pain? I'm going to tell you what it is. When the devil thought it was going to destroy you, God took whatever happened to you and turned it around. And if you will allow that pain, it can turn into a testimony to be able to help somebody else that is going through that burden. Oh, pastor, you don't understand. I do understand more than what maybe you, you, you recognize that I understand. Some of you have been through some very dark days and deep hurts and horrible situations and painful things that maybe should have sent some people to jail. Mm. Maybe it should have cost them their position. But it just cost you hurt and they're moving on. And then we end up like David saying, how doth the wicked prosper? Oh, y'all going to leave me up here by myself this morning. I'm the only one that ever asked God, how is it God? Building a church and being faithful and working and laboring and giving and I look around and my wicked enemies, those that hurt me, look at them. Why are they prospering, God? You don't ever think that, huh? You're much more holy than I. Because I think, could I be God for one day? 
So when the Apostle Paul begins to talk about forgetting the past, he is not referring to erasing the memory of the past. Those of you you who are familiar with how a computer handles information, I'm not real handy at this, but I did a little bit of reading for the sake of this message. Understand that in your computer that you can delete things and think the file is completely gone. But they say that some of the real high-tech people can go and get on the FBI. In other words, they can, they can get on your computer and they can find out anything and everything, even things that you deleted. Hmm. computer is just operating like the human mind. You said you forgot it, but you really didn't. You forgot it for 10 years until somebody came along and something triggered the thought. Something brought it back. Something, some memory came back. And oh, the pain, the hurt. Now the anger and the response. And now I'm hindered from being able to move forward. We hit the delete key, but nothing happens. Because our memory holds the information, including the good, the bad, and the ugly. Forgetting those things which are behind is not living in denial. I'm not denying what happened to me. I'm not denying what somebody said, how somebody acted, or the hurt, or the pain. Hurts are very real. Disappointment doesn't feel good. No one takes rejection lightly. Physical pain, emotional pain, things from your childhood. What is Paul telling us to do here when he says forget the past? It sounds almost like a contradiction. We're asked to do something that is seemingly neurologically, psychologically, mentally, and emotionally impossible. What do we do? So the The Apostle Peter goes to the Lord and says, How many times, Lord? How many times am I to forgive my brother? He won't stop. Do I have to forgive him seven times for the same thing in the same day? The Lord said, No, seven times 70. He just kind of turned it around on him. Don't come asking. How many times? He wasn't giving him some numerical equation that is going to magically be able to cause the memory to be able to wipe clean and you never allow what happened to you to hurt you. Of course not. What he is saying is, Peter, you got to learn to live with what has happened to you without allowing it to affect your future. And the only way you can do that is to put it under the blood of Jesus. Well, they didn't ask for forgiveness. Put it under the blood of Jesus. Well, nobody ever made anything right. Put it under the blood of Jesus. They don't deserve forgiveness. Of course they don't. But you do. I'm speaking to somebody today that needs to rise up from the pain that you've been carrying. 
It's very real. By the way, without disclosing any further information, I want to tell you I am qualified to speak on the subject that I'm talking about this morning. Both personally, in my personal life, and in the life of my family and my wife. The Jordan household is qualified to speak on forgiveness because we have been challenged by life, by hurt, by pain, by disappointment, by tragedy. And I've had to live up to the things that I'm preaching to you this morning. And yes, I've allowed it to prevent me from moving forward on some days. But by the help of the Lord, I refuse to allow it to affect me in the future. I'm blessed this morning. I have three boys. Spencer, Dylan, and Gentry are both in the Philippines this morning. Some of you don't know why that when a little clip comes on and I see my boys ministering, preaching, singing, when I look at them on the platform, some may not understand why. Why does pastor cry so much? Because even this little short clip today, I just felt it's like the waterworks got turned on. I'll tell you why. Because the enemy has tried to take both of them out on more than one occasion and on more than one front. Some of them more than others, but my boys have been attacked over and over and over again in their life. More than many adults with situations that are so painful and so difficult to get beyond. And yet somehow God through His mercy has brought them through. Gentry shared with me one of the messages he's going to preach there. As we were driving to Fort Wayne earlier this week, I think Spencer might have been with us. When the last 45 minutes of the trip, I listened to, that's right, the boy that you don't think would ever cry. My oldest, as tears streamed down his face and as he wept, as he began to talk about what he was going to talk about in the Philippines. Going to talk about some of the pain. Going to talk about some of the hurt. Going to talk. Why do I weep? Because I recognize that the thing that the devil intended to take him out with, he made a choice to turn it around and God's going to use it to be able to reach some other child and some other young person that is going through something that is equally as hor horrific and terrible and tried and he's going to tell them God brought me through and God got me to where I am I want to tell some of you this morning that your anguish that you've been through is an opportunity for you to be able through the victory in the, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and by his grace and mercy to be able to help somebody else that feels like they can't live another day oh let it go and live let it go and live. Let it go and live. Oh, somebody lift your hands where you are right now and lift up your voice and magnify the name of the Lord. I feel the healing power of God in the room this morning. He's wanting to heal that hurt. He's wanting to heal that wound. He's wanting to lift your burden. He's wanting you to move forward by faith.
I'll quickly arrive at a close this morning. Her pastor noticed how she handled the holidays with no job, no money, four children. Her abusive husband walked out on her and left her when the rent was three months past due. Her children all received hand-me-down Christmas presents. They received a few canned goods and some Spam for Christmas dinner. Only those of you my age and older will know what that is. Yet the pastor never heard her complain or speak one negative thing about the man that left her in such a dilemma. But he often heard her in the prayer room before service praying for God to save his soul. The pastor called her aside to let her know that he was praying for her and to let her know that he noticed how well that she was responding to the situation. And he said to her, If anybody has a right to be bitter, it is you. And she looked at her pastor and she said, I can't afford the luxury of bitterness. I clearly remember forgetting all of that. When I read that story many years ago, I not only logged it away in my note file, I logged it away in my memory bank. And I have tried to adapt that response into my spirit many times when people come and say, do you, do you remember so-and-so or what about so-and-so or what about that situation that happened? And my response is from the story I just read. As I say, I clearly remember forgetting that. Pastor, did you really forget it? No, what I mean is I clearly remember putting that behind me. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to dredge it up anymore. Because when I do, I'm giving glory to the enemy. Glorifying and magnifying the problem. I'm talking about the situation that affected me. I refuse to allow that to happen. In the name of the Lord, I will move forward. By faith and trust in the Lord. Lord, how many times shall my brother sin against me? Peter, stop keeping score. Live. This is what the Lord is really saying. Learn to live in the spirit of forgiveness. And the first time most of you have heard me use that term, if you haven't gotten it in your spirit, but now I, I, you will because I'm not going to stop telling you this. We've got to learn, people of God, to live and walk in the spirit of forgiveness. What is meant by that? It doesn't mean that harm never comes. It means that whatever happens to me is not going to affect my future. I'm walking in the spirit of forgiveness. What happens if somebody talks about you tomorrow? I'm living in the spirit of forgiveness. It's not going to cause me to be lost. It's not going to prevent me from moving forward by faith. What about the naysayers? What about the false accusers? What about those that would harm you or harm your family physically, emotionally? What, what, what about it? I'm walking in the spirit of forgiveness. They're the ones affected. 
Letting it go is not going back and undoing what's been done and reversing it and turning it all around. It's just accepting what has been done and accepting it without the desire of revenge. I'm not looking to get back at somebody. I'm not looking at going back and hurting somebody. When people fail to forgive They are planting the root of bitterness in their life. And that root of bitterness will grow up and produce things that we never intended to produce. That's why Jesus said, let this mind be in you. It was also in Christ Jesus. And so then he tells us, whatsoever things are good and lovely and pure and are of good report, think on these things. Areas that are very hard to forgive, and I close with this this morning. There are three very common areas of blame. I've talked a lot this morning about the blame of others. We, we can easily blame others and let what's happened to us from others prevent us from moving forward. And then, and then there is the blame on oneself and I talked a little about that this morning and it's where we blame ourselves. It was my poor choice. It was my terrible decision and we blame our own self and I I talked a little bit about understanding our imperfections and thirdly if we're not real careful we will blame God we'll blame God for the things that happen in our life God why did you let this happen we will blame God for things When we fail to recognize that He's not working anything to harm you and hurt you. But God is always working it for your good. When I don't understand it, when I can't see it, the writer didn't say, for we will clearly understand by way of reasoning That all things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to His purpose. Didn't say that. It just simply says, for we know. Oh, we do? Yes, we do. By faith we know. For we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God. Is that you this morning? then everything is going to work together because God is working it for your good. All the hurts, all the discipline, God is making and forming something and shaping something through you. No, God didn't cause it to happen to you. No, God didn't bring all the hurt and the pain on you. No, but God is going to take that situation and turn it around and make something and form something in you. Because without the pressure and the, the pain, you would never be strong enough. In order to to build certain things, they need the strongest kind of wood. And that wood doesn't come from the windless side of the mountain. But the strongest types of wood is the wood that grew up on the, the stormy side of the mountain. Because through its experience, while the peaceful side and the 
the less windy side of the mountain will often the trees will start growing and they'll grow very, very swiftly. The leaves will be lush. They will be beautiful. They'll grow rapidly. The windy side of the mountain, the leaves seem to be a little more tattered and torn and the branches seem to have breaks in them and knots on them and broken spots. That tree seems to grow slightly slower. It just can't quite keep up with the peaceful side of the mountain. But when the storm is reversed and the, the peaceful side of the mountain gets a little taste of the storm, the trees are broken and torn down and the whole side of the mountainside will be wiped out. But yet, on the windy side, through the pressures and the constant stress of the wind and the storms and the broken limbs, while what you see above the ground is not, not as lush and beautiful as the peaceful side of the mountain, but those who have studied those trees have discovered that on the rough side of the mountain, that while the peaceful side of the mountain was growing beautiful leaves, the rough side of the mountain was putting down deeper roots. And from the brokenness of the limbs and in its broken spots that heal back, it takes a little more of the nutrients of the tree for it to be able to heal those spots back, but that wood becomes stronger. It's not because it's not flexible and will not bend, for as a matter of fact, it bends more, better than that which is on the peaceful side of the mountain. But that rough, rugged side of the mountain is causes some roots to go down deep. And although those trees have broken limbs and scars on them, When the furniture maker is ready to choose the choice piece of thin wood to, to make that particular thing, it's that piece of wood that is the most useful. I'm drawing a parallel this morning to those of you who have been climbing up the rough side of the mountain. You know what hardship and struggle is. You know what laying awake at night dealing with your emotions and struggling financially and going through things and wondering why me God is causing you to put some roots down so deep and while on the outside seemingly you haven't accomplished and done what everybody else has accomplished that came up on the peaceful side of the mountain with a silver spoon in their mouth here you are this morning and when the storm comes you're going to come out the other side and you're going to still be standing For those of you that walked in the door this morning carrying the heavy load of pain, the burden that is keeping you from moving forward, I dare you this morning to make up your mind, I am not going to allow this to affect my future. Even God himself can't erase what has happened in my past. So neither can I. But by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to purge it all. And I'm putting it under the blood. 
And I'm going to walk forward with faith and know that my future is going to be better than my past because I'm letting it go. I'm moving forward. Stand with me this morning. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed as they begin to sing. I open these altars to you this morning. Would there be one or two in the room today? Maybe some today that feel that I've struck a chord with this message and you want to move forward by faith and those things that have hindered you in your past, you're going to put behind you and you're going to walk forward with faith. I'm praying the help of the Lord in your life right now. God bless these that are already moving this morning. These altars are open. Would you step forward? Would you like to join us here in the front? I know there's not room for everybody, but for most, if you just press your way up this morning, I think you'll be glad you did. Just serve the enemy notice today. I'm taking a step of faith. I'm walking forward by faith.